0: Don't trust your feelings. And I know about right now you're thinking, Oh my gosh, I don't want to hear a about that. And the emotions and the Christian highly sensitive person or the highly sensitive Christian And we all say to ourselves, what, me? Oh, man, not me. I am not highly sensitive. I'm not high maintenance. I am so in line with God's word. But you know what? We all need to learn about controlling our emotions. So one of my favorite things was uh, growing up, my mom would say, well, Jane, God is going to continue to keep that happening until you learn to get over it. So what I have to say to you this morning is, God is going to continue to allow that to keep happening until you learn to get over it. And uh, you see, the Global Outreach Church is a safe place to visit. And I know you've heard that so many times. But the other part is, it's a dangerous place to stay. That is, if you want to fix yourself. If you don't want to keep going around the mountain and around the mountain, or as Proverbs says, a dog returning to his vomit, I don't want to keep this, doing the same things over and over and over again. I want to have control of myself. We must put ourselves in a straitjacket. And I had this wonderful voice teacher that used to say, Jane, you need to put yourself in a straitjacket. Meaning, you need to align yourself with what I have to tell you. You need to align yourself vocally for what you have to do. And I thought, how great this goes along with God's word, taking every thought captive. Second Corinthians 10.5 says, Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of Christ or God, and bringing it, depending on if it's NIV or King James, and bringing it into captivity, every thought to the obedience of Christ. Boy, that's hard to do. You see, we must surrender our all to the obedience of Christ. James 4.7 says, Submit, surrender yourselves. Then to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. say yeah. casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing it into captivity, every thought to the obedience of Christ. You see, it's so hard to surrender your will. It's so difficult. And in 2 Corinthians 10, verses 4 and 5, speak on pulling down strongholds. Strongholds are first established, in our minds. That's why we are to take every thought captive because this is where it starts. Don't go by your feelings, such as when you're dealing with feelings that send you on a roller coaster ride of emotional instability. Understanding that our feelings of the moment do not necessarily represent the truth of our lives allows us to better navigate our emotional responses Now, we all have emotions, and in fact, a great example of all having emotions was David. David had some of the most powerful, wonderful emotions. He couldn't have written the poetry and the songs that he wrote if he had not had this. But I believe one of the greatest goals for every believer should be to have emotional stability. And boy, we don't like to hear that. Mm, That's really tough. I didn't want to put myself in a straitjacket. I wanted to sing how I wanted to sing. I wanted to do it my way. But if you want to do it the right way, we've got to take every thought captive. We should seek God to learn how to manage our emotions and not allow them to manage us. Now, I love this definition. It's from the Webster Dictionary. It's just an excerpt. But... It says that emotions are to excite and move out. That's what emotions mean. Now think about this. You're shopping. You've gone out for just one specific item that you're in need of. You've made a commitment to the Lord that you're going to get out of debt. You've promised him to tithe and give offerings as he directs. You've agreed to really watch your spending and not purchase things that you don't need, but now while you're out shopping, you discover that all the stores are having a 50% off the lowest marked price. (laughs) What would you do? You get excited. The more you look around, the more excited you get. Emotions are rising higher and higher, and you begin to move out, and as the definition says, And part of the devil's plan is for you to follow your emotions. Now, one that I particularly always did, 19 moves, 19 different houses, different state, didn't know a neighbor, didn't even know how to get to the grocery store. Ron would get deployed, so I would lay in bed and try and figure out a fire escape route. How would I get out of here? Now the flames are engulfing the house, and I run and I get the two children, the two older children, and then I see the flames have stopped right in front of the baby's door. Oh my gosh. So the next thing I do is I I sink. Okay, do I get wet towels? Do I go around and open the window, or is there going to be one of those blasts back? But oh, at this moment, it goes worse. It is an axe murderer. It's not a fire anymore. So now then, There's this intruder, and this intruder, who is a serial killer, axe murderer, is trying to kill my family. My husband is gone, so I've got the two older ones out, and I see he's at the door by the baby's room. I'm saying, please, God, don't let the baby cry. Well, we'll go around this way, and I see he's killed the cat. So now I'm in a panic state, and this is all while I'm laying in bed thinking of my escape route. So then I come around and I see, dear Lord, kids don't look, he's killed the dog. And I think, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? You get excited. You think about your plan of escape. The more you get excited, the emotions are rising higher and higher and higher, and they begin to move out. And as the definition says, that's part of the devil's plan for you to follow your emotions. No sleep. You can't think clearly. The next day, your mind runs rampant. Mm. You're not taking every thought captive. So that very next day when you're so tired and you can't think, you're driving down the street and you look out and you say, why, there's Pastor Jane's husband, Mr. Ron, and there's Pastor, our own Pastor, Dr. Chris, they're coming out of a gay bar. <laughs> and you say, what in the world is it? You say, I cannot wait to get back and tell Dr. Dahlia and Pastor Jane. <laughs> but little did you know that Dr. Chris was called by someone's mother and said, I need you to get there and get my son. I need you to take someone with you. I need- See, you can't believe everything you see and you can't believe everything you hear, and you're not taking every thought captive. You're not thinking on only those things that are right and good that God has asked you to think on. You're letting your mind run rampant. And, And, you know, you say, well, that's a huge example. But you know what? It's little things. Well, she looked at me wrong. Well, I know she hates me. She didn't like my shoes. You know what? Maybe she had just lost her job, and she was thinking about something totally different than what you were thinking about yourself, full of yourself, full of things of who you are thinking of. You see, when we get excited, our mind loves to run off and run off with things that are just not empowering to us. And when I'm about in the 70s, there was a song that came out. And I love this song. And I'm going to read the words to you because, you know, when you try to read something you've always sung, it's sort of hard, so you have to sing it. But this really describes, it's called Nothing Improves My Day. I can get so bothered with things that matter least that when I start to worry, it seems like those problems just increase. I know I thought some days would be better spent in bed, but rather than to give in, I do something else instead Now, interestingly enough, all these verses I've given you, they've just started with praising the Lord, or they end with this praise the Lord. So the chorus of this song is, nothing improves my day like praising him. Nothing drives cares away like praising him. Just to lose myself in all his wealth of glory and praise, nothing can make my day like praising the Lord. And I love this second verse. Have you ever noticed the days that seem the worst are days that we forget to praise the one who loved us first? So when we start to feel that our walls are crashing in, remember all we need to do is just lift up your praise to him. You see, sometimes, I don't know about you, but me, I like to wallow in my self-pity for a little bit. Oh, man. Because you know what? I know if I start praising the Lord, guess what's going to happen? He's going to fix it. Because you see, I can't fix it. I, I can't do anything. It, when only God and God's word can fix it. So in Philippians 4, 8, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, huh, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. You see, God wants us to use wisdom. Wisdom says, wait a while while emotions settle down. And check if you really believe it's the right thing to do or to say or to think. The Bible also says in Colossians 3.15, to be led by peace in making decisions. Sometimes I don't like to do that. Hmm. Don't let your emotions make your decisions. A good statement to remember is this. Wisdom says wait. Emotions say hurry. Now, I don't think you heard that because... Wisdom says wait, but emotions say hurry. An emotion or person is defined as one easily affected with or stirred up by emotion. One who displays emotion, one with tendency to rely or place too much value on emotions, one whose conduct is ruled by emotion rather than reason. Mm, That can happen a lot. To be honest with yourself in this area, do you believe that you are not managing your emotions effectively? Maybe we should begin and pray to pray and seek God and say, God, can you show me how I can have emotional maturity? In the past 10 years of my life, I have experienced huge ups and downs. And even in the, even in the moving process, ups and downs, and it's high Hilo, Hilo, Hilo. And boy, I had that neighbor 25 years ago. I thought if she got in my business one more time, God's going to keep allowing it till you learn to get over it. So, five years down the road, I have another neighbor. And guess what? She was worse than the first neighbor. And then at this point, 30 years, Marine Corps moving, I got to take that first neighbor and just flung her across the U.S. because it was nothing. And I say, 10 years from now, this is such a good rule of thumb, 10 years from now, am I going to remember this? Am I going to remember this silly thing happened? Or is it going to affect my family 10 years from now? Or is it going to affect my family's walk with the Lord 10 years from now? And if it's not, let it go. Take every thought captive. I love this. Mark Twain once said, I've been through some terrible things in life, some which have actually happened. And boy, is that not true. We can make up so many things in our minds, so much up, down, up, down. And the Bible says don't leave your mind null and void because that's where things can creep in, taking every thought captive. Now, um, I'm going to share this quickly. Uh, I've not even shared this even with Pastor Chris. Before, well, right when he had asked me if I would come on as assistant pastor, um, there were two people that are a lot older than myself that I would probably equivocate God to in, in our natural world. And these people I had so much respect for. Well, the one person totally did something and wrote something that was so devastating to me. The person actually thought that I was in a cult. And they've known me probably almost of all my life. And let me tell you, I had to take every thought captive. I had to say, God... I'm going to think on only those things that are right and good because I know you and I know what you've called me to do and I know you've called Pastor Chris to call me to do this but let me tell you, I wanted to dig a hole and it didn't stop there. It continued and it continued and this person kept writing letters Writing them in, where I would just become immobilized. And I'd have to say, okay, God, take everything captive. I'm going to physically say these verses. I'm going to say I'm not going to let anybody destroy my peace with the Lord. I'm not going to let anybody destroy my walk with the Lord because I don't want to leave my mind null and void. I want to think on only those things that are right and good. And also, I want to take it back to your word. If I don't align with your word, then I have no business doing what I'm doing. So I'm here to tell you, yes, life is not perfect. We all have ups and downs. We're all like a swing up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down. But we need to put ourselves in the straitjacket. And we need to say, yes, I need to align myself with God. And you know what the Lord showed me? The Lord shows me they are surrounded by legalism. And if it's not their way, it's the highway. But guess what? I want to do God's way. I want to get my roadmap map from here. Not from what you tell me to do, what you tell me to do, what anybody tells me to do. I want to get it from here. You see, God created us to operate through, three, through free will. We choose what we will do, and we choose what we won't do. There is a God-given desire inside believers to do the right thing. When we allow our flesh to rule like me, I did not want to. You know what? I wanted to move so far away from here. I wanted to move so far away from any church of any time of anything. I had to take every thought captive. I had to put myself in a straitjacket. We are created to be operating in the fruits of self-control. Hmm, sound familiar? Let's see here. Dr. Chris did a whole series on the gifts of the spirit, and one of them was self-control. Sound familiar? Self-control is a freedom, not a bondage. You are free to use wisdom, free to obey God, free to follow in his spirit. You're not to be pushed around by your feelings and emotionally unstable. You don't have to to do what you feel like doing. You are free to do what you know is wise when you're aligning it with God's word. Self-control will help you feel better about yourself. There's nothing that will except God. Experiencing so many ups and downs depletes your energy. It makes you physically tired. God and God's word is the only way to manage your emotions you will always enjoy more energy. And this is so true because we waste so much time on worrying about Pastor Jane's husband, Ron, and Dr. Chris and where they were and what they were doing. I know one time my dad gave somebody some money for food and he actually had to follow them. The Lord said, follow them down the street. And it was our money for our food. And he followed them down the street. He followed them right into a corner bar and the guy goes, round them up for everybody. Now, if you saw my dad coming out of the bar, you would have said, Woo, Pastor Tomko's putting on a tear. What is he doing? He said, come on, I want the money back, but I'm going to take you to the grocery store and I'm going to buy you what you need, and we're going now. You can't believe everything you see or hear. You can only believe in Jesus. Jesus was referred to as the rock. That says in itself that you can depend on him to be stable. Jesus is always the same. Always faithful. Ah, always loyal, always true to his word. Mature, not one way one day and another way the next day. He is always the same. Jeremiah 17:8 and Psalms 1 and 3 both inst- instruct us to be like trees firmly planted. Peter 1, 5-8 teaches us to be well-balanced, temperate, self-controlled, to keep Satan away from devouring us, to withstand him. It says to be rooted, established. Who doesn't want to be established? We all want to be established. We all want to be known as someone who's established. And only God, only Jesus, the rock, can do that for you is strong, unmovable. Philippians one two tells us that to be in con- that tells us to be constant when Satan comes against us. Mm, constant when Satan comes against us. Know what he's up to. Know what his plans are. Beat him to it. Surrender yourself to God and know. Psalms ninety four thirteen says God wants to give us power to stay calm in adversity. When mm, things are wrong, and the Lord really helped me to stay calm when I would get those letters, and I would cry, and I would cry, and I would cry. And the person couldn't even say this was a church. And I said, You know me. Well, I wouldn't factor off, you know me. Think on only those things that are right and good. And I just say, I'm going to just keep praising the Lord because you know what? you called me for something that I don't even understand, but I'm going to praise him anyway for that. So God wants to give us power to stay calm in adversity. All of these are referring to being stable. That makes emotional maturity a priority. Let's make that. Let's make emotional maturity a priority that we don't keep going back like a dog to his vomit and continue in the same ways and say, Woo, I'm a Christian, but watch me behind everybody's back. Let's have emotional maturity. Now, here are some final statements for your consideration. One, he who lives by emotion lives without principle. Mm, Oh, boy, that's not a nice one because we all want to live by principle, don't we? We cannot be spiritual, walking in the spirit, and led by our emotions. No, sir. We can't be like that swing, high, low, high, low. Number three, emotions won't go away, but you can learn to manage your emotions. You can learn this. And I love when people say, I can't do that. I can't learn this. There's no way. Yes, God wants, if I, whew, I want double cheese on everything. And if I can learn to handle my emotions and say, well, maybe tomorrow I'll have some double cheese. Oh, man, and I love buttermilk, and I love extra onions, and I want, oh, don't make me a vegan. Lord, help us. I need some steak. And a double whopper. <laughs> and so if I can handle my emotions, if God can help me handle my emotions, he can help anybody manage. He can help anybody if he can help me. Number four, you can have emotions, but you can't trust them or go by your feelings. And I'm going to end with this. But before I end, I want to share a, a real brief story with you. There was this precious woman. Um, Three, my dad would come, she would, periodically her family would bring her to church. Her mother was an alcoholic, and I mean, man, smoke, smoke, smoked. She was, as a child, she was frightening to me. She was so black under the eyes, the hair hanging in the face, so thin. She probably weighed, you know, maybe 70 pounds, and she was a tall woman. And her husband, this heavyset alcoholic man, barely came, but every once in a while, they would bring their daughter, and I was three to church. And Donna Holtz had severe cerebral palsy. And Donna couldn't speak. Donna could barely, her hands were knotted like this. Her feet were all twisted up like this. She'd have they, this bed was so bring they'd bring her in to church, and this was a storefront building. And I can remember even as a child, looking back, I think to myself, oh, my gosh, this would scare a child. She was so luminous with a love. I felt like, I can remember saying, Dad, can I go with you to go visit Donna? And her mom and dad scared me. Donna was in her 30s. And when she would come to church, we would sing praises to, like, victory in Jesus.
1: And Donna's face would twist out like this. And she would shine. She would praise the Lord in her
0: in, in her adversity. She had nothing. She wasn't pretty. She didn't smell good. She couldn't walk. She couldn't even cover her hands. She couldn't even since Her mouth was so twisted up and knotted up, and her legs were... But you know what I knew as a tiny, tiny child? I knew that Jesus had been in that room with her himself, and she had been with Jesus Christ. She just shone. She just shone. And you know what? I wanted that. I wanted that. So when I think about anything that anybody does or anybody says or whatever I see or whatever I don't see, I know that in the face of adversity, if she can do that, how could I possibly not? How could I possibly not? So I've asked Jr. to come up and read Philippians 4, four through nine, because this is such a pertinent passage for the closing of this service. Is this on? Yes. Yes. You might want to just hold it.
2: God bless you. Rejoice in the Lord always. Okay. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your gladness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which suppresses all understanding, will guide, guide you, heart, and mind through Christ Jesus. Finally, brother, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever thing are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever thing are of good report, of there is anything value, virtue, and if there is anything press worthy, meditate on these things. The things which you learn and receive and heard and saw in me, those do. And the God of peace will be with you.
0: Mm. God bless you. Please stay up here. I would love for you to indulge me just a few moments as we close. I would love for you to do something different than we've ever done before. But you know what? I feel like your family. I feel like You're my aunts, my uncles, my brothers, my sisters. I feel like I've never not known you. And I would love to ask you if you would all get up from your seats and if we'd form a large circle and if we would hold hands. I want to close the service. And if you don't feel comfortable with holding somebody's hand, then would you just touch them next to you because there's power in that. If we just come out... So I can see all your faces and we can be bound together in the love of Christ. And and you know what's so wonderful? We're small enough that we can do this. And I love that. I love that. And I would love for us all to sing a simple song. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again I say rejoice. Rejoice, rejoice, and again I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. And guess what? The apostles and the disciples didn't have music, so we're going to raise our voices to the Lord. We're just going to sing it because we want to go out and we want to have this a banner around us of strength and of power, so we're going to rejoice what God is taking care of, what he's already taking care of. Rejoice in the
1: Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Rejoice, rejoice. And again, I say rejoice. Rejoice, rejoice. And again, I say rejoice. Rejoice
0: rejoice, in the Lord always. Again I say, rejoice. Amen. And let me read this last. Let actually, JR. Amen. Yes, give the Lord a clap offering. Thank you, Jesus. I want J.R. as our benediction to read that last verse one more time. And if you, first of all, don't know the Lord Jesus as your personal savior. We would love to pray with you afterwards. If you just want emotional stability, I can't get enough of it. So I pray daily for that. But if you need that, then please feel free to afterwards come up because we want to pray with you, Dr. Chris and I do, Dr. Dahlia. We want for you to gain that same greatness, that same rejoicing. In the Lord, always feeling that you can continually have no matter what your circumstances are. So, Brother J.R.
2: The things which we learn and receive and heard and saw in me, those do, and the God of peace will be with you. Amen.
0: And in the name of Jesus, go and let your week be wonderful. Take his name, take his rejoicing. And let there be a peace that falls over all of you in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Go with the Lord. Thank you. Have a wonderful day. Thank
1: you.